Welcome to the Meaning and Motherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Permar, and today we're going to be reviewing the book, A Charlotte Mason Companion, Personal Reflections on the Gentle Art of Learning by Karen Andriola. And then we'll be looking at all things Charlotte Mason. I'll give you just an overview of some of Charlotte Mason's philosophy and what makes her learning style so inspiring to homeschoolers today. We'll be doing all that and much more on the Meaning and Motherhood Podcast. So today's book is A Charlotte Mason Companion, Personal Reflections on the Gentle Art of Learning by Karen Andriola. This book is a little bit of a classic. It was uh, published in 1998 and I got it from the library. I read through it. It was a super easy read, very anecdotal and interesting, just little, you know, inspiration from one homeschool mom to another. You really got a sense for how Karen was able to get the inspiration for her homeschooling journey, as well as share that inspiration with other moms. That was when she was back doing a paper ad in the paper for other moms who were interested in Charlotte Mason uh, philosophy, which nowadays seems like so archaic, but it's great that she was so inspired that she wanted to reach out and inspire other moms. She even hosted little tea parties where she would invite other moms over who were just interested in learning about Charlotte Mason and have little cookies and tea and talk Charlotte Mason. And then she said at the end of the night, she would just ding a little bell, like a little, I don't know, tea bell, I guess, and thank everyone for coming. And it was kind of like, this is what she felt was like a polite way of saying, you know, thank you all for coming. And now it's time to get out of my house, please, which I just thought was great. I love this little book. It covers a very wide range of topics from all the way from how she did like math and history to poetry and music appreciation. Uh, of course, as we'll talk about a little bit later, Charlotte Mason's huge on outdoor learning. So she does plenty of talk about how to educate your children outdoors, both in the city and in the country. I took some photos of some things, uh, parts of the book that I liked just to remind myself. But when I'm a little bit further along in my homeschool journey, I may end up picking up this book because it was such a charming and inspiring little read. So I'll share a couple little things from this book for you. Uh, one was the music appreciation program. Now, Charlotte Mason suggested using a whole term, whatever that means for you. So maybe, you know, four months or three months and playing a composer a half an hour a day for the whole length of that period. So you would, you know, just pick Mozart and then you'd play all of Mozart or maybe just one CD of Mozart. So the children get used to it and get kind of familiar with it. And, um, then, you know, the next term you would pick say Bach, and then you would just play Bach different selections of his, maybe more up tempo things and some more, you know, calm, relaxing things and all that. And then the idea is that they would eventually get a real flavor for what makes Mozart Mozart and what makes Bach Bach. And I have to say, I'm not the best at this as a massage therapist. I've been listening to classical music for relaxation, usually is what I just type into my Google search. And I've been playing those for years. So there's music that's been in my psyche for, you know, years and years and years, but I never did the work of sort of separating out. So I was just getting, you know, just Bach or something so that I actually could kind of internalize that with like what was going on at the time with these composers, what made them make the choices that they did, and how was that music received in their time. So just a very interesting way of kind of letting that sink in. She said she just got a CD of you know, Mozart and then would just play it all the time or Vivaldi's Four Seasons. That's a very classic one as well. 
She also made a big point of saying that for her, music education is not necessarily just can you play the piano? Because even if you can't play the flute or the piano or, you know, read music, you can still appreciate music and it does add to your life. She also gives some really sweet little um, outdoor games to play with your kids. So when she's called the snake game where you line up in a line and then sort of like the head of the line has to tag the end of the line without touching anybody in the middle, which sounds like a great kind of rough and tumble game for getting out, you know, kid energy. She found this in a a 1919 edition of the Young Folks Treasury, and this was suggested for uh, boys 13 and under, although, of course, nowadays, girls would probably be happy to join in as well. But, you know, bringing in that idea that kids need to get out and get some energy out as well as, you know, just be in their study. So this brings me nicely into our topic for the day, which is all things Charlotte Mason. Now, in case you don't know, I'll give you a quick bio on Charlotte Mason. Charlotte Mason was born in 1942 and lived to 1923. She was a British educator who invested her life in improving the quality of children's education. She was orphaned at the age of 16, and then she uh, became a teacher and taught school for more than 10 years. And she developed her own vision for a liberal education for all, this idea of liberal meaning Uh, lots or abundant education. And she envisioned this education as reaching all social classes, which was sort of unique for her time. She gave a series of lectures which were published as home education, which have been widely read. And eventually she moved to Ambleside, England in 1891 and formed the House of Education, which was a training school for governesses and other people working with young children. There's a book called the Home Education Series. I actually have the full like six volumes set in one book, which makes it a little bit difficult to read, but I may just go ahead and cut mine up because my puppy dog decided it was a good idea to eat the cover off of this library book. And so the thick book that I have, which is basically like a textbook, um, actually was like $50 at the library. So I would have maybe bought it or maybe bought the individual pieces of it on my own, but I happened to buy it from the library because my dog ate the cover. In any case, she starts out that book by talking a lot about um, the hygiene of the child. So she talks about things like never letting any smells be in the nursery. So keeping the nursery really nice and clean. She also says not to have things that are chipped in there. So, you know, The children's room is not the place to put all your broken dishware, so your tea sets or anything like that. She said, make sure that the children are raised with the idea of it being pristine and to take care of their things. This has been an interesting and common theme that you've seen even among like Montessori and other philosophies as well. The idea that the children should be given nice things, that things should be beautiful for them so that they value and respect the environment around them. Another very commonly cited part of the Charlotte Mason philosophy is the idea that children need to be obedient, and that is big for her on habit training. So she says when you're training a habit, you know, pick a habit that you want to work on and basically never let them falter on it, which is a big challenge for moms because we've got so much on our plate. But she says that the mom can get in the habit of habit training. So she's just always on top of getting her children to do the things that she's asking them to do. And it's not about being completely like strict or without any 
um, fun or anything like that. But the idea is that if you ask them, you know, okay, it's time to come inside, you need to be prepared to go ahead and get them and bring them inside. So if you're not prepared to make them obey the command, then she recommends not making the command. So it does take a lot of dedication on the parent's part to get these habits in order. Last week on the podcast, I mentioned the Thinking Love podcast, which is a nice podcast about Charlotte Mason homeschooling specifically. And it's a really sweet little podcast and it had a whole episode about habit training that I listened to recently. So if you're interested in habit training, I would definitely check out that episode. The other thing that's very common when you think about Charlotte Mason is to think about a regular diet of living ideas. So each and every day and each and every lesson, they should be subjected to living ideas. So that's ideas that are, you know, basically straight from the source. So instead of separating things out and getting ideas from, you know, a textbook, which can be very dry or like quizzing them, those kind of things, you're giving them a source that is passionate about their subject. So for example, I happen to be working on um, some training for massage therapists. And instead of using like a dry textbook where it's just like pictures of muscles, which no one is really excited by, and it's always just kind of like a hurdle that massage therapists have to get over in learning their education. But there are some really great books out there published by people who are really passionate about these subjects and that make the subjects come alive. And so she suggested that you read directly from sources that are passionate about their subjects and whole books. So instead of reading from textbooks, which are kind of spliced together, all these things you're reading from a book that's all about this subject. So maybe it's all about the power of positive touch. That's a great book to be reading from rather than a book that's kind of like a mishmash of massage ideas. So here's a nice quote from Charlotte Mason. She wrote in her Philosophy of Education, which is one of those six books that were put into one in that uh, big textbook that I have. Um, it's not technically a textbook. It just feels like it because it's so huge. But anyway, she wrote in Philosophy of Education that the work of education is greatly simplified when we realize that children, apparently all children, want to know all human knowledge. So uh, Karen Andreola, who wrote that book that I reviewed at the beginning, comments that children are born with all the curiosity that they will ever need, and it lasts a lifetime if they are fed upon a daily diet of ideas. So instead of their curiosity being drowned by boring lectures and regurgitated ideas and too much talk from the teacher, and that's something that you'll uh, notice a lot in Charlotte Mason writing if you start reading Charlotte Mason writing is she says that parents talk too much, teachers, teachers talk too much. So she says, you know, after you read a segment, you can have a little talk, but be careful not to have too much talk because that can really uh, mess up the children's uh, desire to engage with the material if you're just like blah, 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 shoving your personal ideas down their throat rather than letting them connect directly with this living source of the idea itself. So we get this a lot in her sort of methods of education, her humanities education. So we mentioned before the idea of immersion into one musical composer. And if you're interested in this kind of thing, there is a program called Squilt, Super Quiet Listening Time. So there's an interesting website that is called Squilt. That's S-Q-U-I-L-T music.com. And the uh, publisher puts together these little bundles of 
music and some discussion about the music. And she says she's not just doing, you know, dead old white guys, but doing um, a variety of listening experiences and that kind of all bundle together to create a good curriculum for music. In addition, she talked about the idea of doing, you know, poetry or art study where she'll just have all these poems from one poet. So you get a real sense of immersion into that poet and you kind of start to understand what makes them who they are. And then as well, the art appreciation is just kind of looking at uh, a art piece. So you're trying to show art from one artist over a period of time. So different pieces from one artist so that your children kind of get immersed into like, what is their style? So if they hear a piece of music or they see a piece of art, they can kind of go, oh, that, that sounds like a Van Gogh. <laughs> no, that looks like a Van Gogh or that sounds like Mozart or whatever, um, which is something that, you know, if we're just kind of randomly throwing pieces of art at our children, they're not going to get that kind of immersion. So we talked a little bit about her idea of connecting them with real whole living books. And she contrasted this with twaddle, which is a very popular topic amongst Charlotte Mason homeschooling mamas. And the idea of twaddle is just books that aren't very good. So I happened to get a little book from somebody during my baby shower that was a like a... Um, just like a Fisher Price little book and it was called like Friends Are Fun and it just had like a bunch of silly little rhymes that basically had no story and the book itself was kind of like not high quality wasn't holding together compared to some really sweet little children's board books that surprised me because they were clever even though they're for kids they're still like sweet they connect to my soul they make me feel something so it doesn't have to be like highfalutin sophisticated work to be a living book and a living idea but it has to be not twaddle. So what is twaddle? Basically anything that makes you roll your eyes or just want to like throw the book in the garbage when you have to read it to your child over and over and over. So a lot of homeschooling moms just recommend like keeping twaddle out of your house so that your children are sort of trained on good quality living literature. Another major part of the Charlotte Mason homeschooling philosophy is the idea that education is an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life. So the atmosphere is that your home, you know, what goes on in your family culture, what you talk about around the dinner table, all those things contribute to the child's education, which of course is a big homeschooling thing. So the idea of like unschooling would be basically that education is 100% atmosphere. So you're basically just absorbing what's around you all the time. And then a discipline. So she had that idea of the habits, building the habits really strongly. And in order to build the habit of attention, she recommended never having a lesson be very long at all. So for young children starting at six years old, she recommends having no more than 20 minutes of a lesson. So that lesson is like one or two ideas. It's not going to be this huge amount of information that the child's memorizing, but you're basically like reading a little segment of a book for them maybe. And even if, you know, it's science or something like that, or maybe even a math book. Um, for example, I have a book called How to Not Be Wrong, which is a math book, but it was written, you know, for the lay people about math by a, a mathematician. So sometimes you can get these books that are, you know, written by a mathematician and this is their like a lay person's book that is meant to connect with a general audience or, you know, science is a big one on this. Um, I can think of books like The Secret Life of Trees, for example, which is actually quite a scientific book about the communication of trees, but uh, it's written in a sort of narrative way. So you can get the information in a way that's maybe not as boring as it would be if it was just, you know, in a dry textbook. 
In any case, so you're reading a segment of a whole book with your child, and maybe they're reading it on their own if they're old enough, or you could be reading it to them. And then you get them to narrate it back to you. So rather than having them fill out a worksheet where they just kind of identify the main character or like identify things and label them, they would be giving you a narration. So they're telling you what they picked out from the story. And that's really important. She says not to mess with that too much, letting the child have their experience. And then it also tells you a lot about what they're not getting. And so maybe right then isn't the time to go ahead and lecture them about it. But hmm, you can say, okay, they're really not getting maybe some moral of the story that you wanted them to pick up on. And maybe you can find another story that has that same theme that they can build on. You can also ask them some open-ended questions. So things like, who was the most kind character in this story? Or those kind of things where it's like, hmm, they really have to think about it. What made them kind? And they go back to the text and kind of reread it as well when they're um, narrating back to you and giving you that information. So part of the idea here is that you're giving them small chunks of learning and you're never like lecturing with them too much. And the other idea with that is that they're absorbing the information over a period of time. So there have been some books where I've, you know, read them maybe too quickly or another good example is like binging things on Netflix. And then you kind of go, hmm, did I even remember what really happened in that? You know, months later, you can't really remember. Whereas if you were to do it in, you know, 20 minute chunks and then narrate it back to somebody, that information is really going to stick with you. So you don't need to be drilling yourself on this information all the time and kind of memorizing these dry history facts, but instead just the way that you're naturally learning and you're paying attention all the time because you don't have these long, long lessons. So you give the child only a limited amount of time in which to complete the lesson and get the information and they have to pay attention 100% of the time and narrate back to you and then it's over and done with. And she says, if you give them a task and they finish it early, then great, you can let them go outside and play and that that is their natural reward. So she doesn't suggest like big rewards and punishments, but definitely just letting them have that free time, which is the natural reward for finishing their work well. Okay, so before we move on to Mothercraft for this week, I want to give you some great Charlotte Mason resources in case you're interested. Uh, one of them is the book Teaching from Rest by Sarah McKenzie. I already mentioned this a little bit. Sarah McKenzie is a homeschooling mom of six, and she has her own whole like curriculum and YouTube and all the stuff which you can find. But a big part of her philosophy is based on Charlotte Mason. So if you're interested in that kind of thing and you want to pursue some homeschooling information, that would be a good resource for you. I first learned about Charlotte Mason on the Setting the Spark podcast, which is another great resource. They don't just talk about Charlotte Mason, but it's some really great in information as well. Then, of course, if you were interested in homeschooling or even doing some like out of school work, maybe over the summer or things like that with your kids, uh, there is a free Charlotte Mason resource called Ambleside Online, which is just run by some really excellent mamas who want to help other moms have a great education. So this is a humanities education. So it's basically like literature and you can supplement that with, you know, a science or a math curriculum but it really gets you reading the classics. So it's basically like that totally liberal arts education where if you're reading, you know, the great books of the Western world or something like that, uh, Ambleside Online is a great curriculum and it goes all the way from uh, six years old up to the end of high school. That's one that I definitely expect to use in my own homeschooling journey. Maybe not like verbatim where I'm going to be using every single work that they suggest. I just really can't read the Iliad. Um, it just drives me crazy. I know that's 
silly, but I did really well in school and I was a great uh, English student. I loved creative writing, but I just couldn't stand those old poems. I don't know why I don't like them, but I don't. So I probably will skip those with my child and my child will just miss out on that. But instead, um, I will be definitely reading some great books and great literature with her. And I'm sure I will pull from that list of living books on Ambleside Online. There are lots of great resources out there on Charlotte Mason Education. I found tons of information and books at the library and, you know, it's not that complicated. It's really just about giving them living ideas all the time and making their education part of their life. So you're really taking care of the atmosphere. You're taking care of the discipline. So they never uh, end up with bad habits. It's like giving the seed the correct you know, sunlight and water to grow, but it's not like you are creating this person from scratch. You are just providing the right environment for them to flourish. And hopefully the goal is, of course, to create these lifelong learners, which is what most of us want from our kids anyway. And now we'll move on to Mothercraft. Now, the Mothercraft idea was really from Charlotte Mason. There's this idea, I believe it's now trademarked, but the uh, concept of mother culture, which is basically, you know, the mother um, taking time out to improve herself. And I got to say, like I said before in my homeschooling uh, podcast about why I'm choosing to homeschool, I talked a lot about the fact that I'm just a little bit selfish, where there's so many things that I'm interested in learning and relearning and remembering from my education and things that I missed from my education. And I want to improve myself. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to homeschool. So my mother craft for this week is to really try and get myself on a little bit better discipline and schedule. Um, I have been trying to get some work done. As I mentioned, I'm in the middle of a creative project where I'm creating some learning opportunities for massage therapists. And that is taking up so much of my time that it's really pushing on my podcasting time and trying to figure out what's important to me. And I definitely want to also spend lots of time with my daughter who is just on fire right now. She's five and a half months old and she's already like pulling up to stand on things and she's crawling around and I just don't want to miss any of that also. So I'm trying to figure out like what are things that I can cut out like my TV watching time and what are things that I can't really cut out because I want to make sure that I'm still getting you know the things done that I want to get done and also getting you know relationship time time with my husband and things like that. So I'm kind of trying to tighten up my schedule a little bit and maybe even start looking into trying to get my uh, daughter onto a sleep schedule because up until this point, we haven't really had her on a strict schedule. It's kind of just been, you know, following her lead in terms of, you know, when she's tired, we follow those cues and when she's hungry, we feed her and all those things. But I think in terms of getting her on a schedule of sleep schedule, if she can count on a nap or at least some quiet time and not get overstimulated, it takes some patience from me because sometimes she'll get to that point where she's almost asleep and then, you know, I'll try and put her down and she'll be like wide awake and then I kind of give up and then, you know, she's overstimulated and she's not sleeping and she's overtired. So if I can just discipline myself a little bit better on those things and make sure she's getting into a habit of sleep, then I'll have more time to work on my other projects because my baby will be sleeping a little bit better and more um, consistently. Kind of along those same lines, I am trying to be sort of 100% present with my daughter when I'm with her. So trying to have some, as a rye parenting philosophy would suggest, some no expectations time. So just time hanging out with her where I don't really need anything from her. I'm not in a hurry, not trying to get her to go to sleep or whatever. Just being with her a little bit. 
And the other thing I'm trying to do is pray a little bit more in that book, Professionalizing Motherhood, that I mentioned before. She talks a lot about the idea of prayer and trying to, you know, really have a deep relationship with God and not just to ask him for things. Because she says, you know, if you had a friend that basically you just like showed up when you were in trouble and asked them for stuff, it wouldn't be a very good friend. And of course, God is like all forgiving and not going to, you know, be offended that you're only coming and asking for things. However, it's not really the most full relationship and friendship that you can have with him. So sometimes I'm now trying to, you know, my daughter's asleep and I'm just rocking her and I'm kind of waiting for the right time to put her down. I'm making sure to have a little bit more full conversations with God and giving thanks for all the things I have as well as just appreciating the moment and trying to have a deeper relationship with God. Sort of along that same line, I am reading or I guess listening to an audiobook by Marcus Borg. And this may or may not be a little bit controversial for Christian listeners out there. But basically, Marcus Borg is this uh, uh, Jesus scholar, like a historical Jesus scholar. And he wrote a book called Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time. And I've been very interested in the concept of Jesus. I didn't grow up Christian. And so it's always been something that I'm kind of like, you know, feel like a little bit of an outsider understanding Christian ideas and philosophy, even though I do consider myself a Christian. And so I started listening to this book and it really felt like, wow, that really clicks. That's exactly the way I want to be as a Christian and the relationship I want to have with Jesus. So um, that is something I really like is just basically Marcus Borg. I've been listening to some of his YouTube lectures. I've been listening to another audiobook of his called The Heart of Christianity. It's sort of a little bit of that Charlotte Mason philosophy of connecting with living ideas and living authors. So authors that are passionate about their subject that he's sharing directly rather than sort of through the talk of a sermon or those kind of things. Also in Stuff I Like, I'll give you another audiobook or audio program that is really great. If you're not familiar with Zig Ziglar, Zig Ziglar wrote uh, Zig Ziglar's Secrets of Closing the Sale, just sort of the like ultimate sales book. So if you're interested in anything sales, that's a great book. But more importantly, he has a lot of motivational uh, tapes. And I would definitely recommend getting the audiobook version of these things. His goals program is great. Better Than Good, Creating the Life You Can't Wait to Live is also a really great one. I've listened to so many of his and it's not just the books. You don't want to get just the books. You want to get his audio recordings because he is just hilarious. He's so clever, tells all these funny little stories, very witty and all very like PG, very like suitable for anybody, non-offensive things. So uh, Better Than Good is a great one, as well as a book called Courtship After Marriage. Coming up in a podcast, I'll probably do one on relationships. And this is one of the books that I really treasure in terms of having a good ma marriage and having some advice from some long-lived uh, married folk. So if you're interested in something inspiring and want to lift you up, Zig Ziglar, any of his recordings really would be fantastic. I used to actually put him, I would download one on my iTunes app and then use that as my alarm on my iPhone. So I would like wake up to this motivational speaker and it was great. It was way better than waking up to some kind of alarm sound. So in any case, if you're interested at all in motivational speaking or just like need to pick me up at this time where things are kind of dark in the world, uh, definitely check out Zig Ziglar and he will get you through it. 
Okay, that's all we have for today on the Meaning and Motherhood podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being with me today. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and send me a message on Instagram at Meaning in Motherhood. I haven't been super active on there lately, but I am still checking it for messages. And I've just been a little bit busy, but I am so happy to be able to be here with you and I'm happy to hear from you. Please leave me a five-star rating and review if you like this podcast. And I will see you next week on the Meaning in Motherhood podcast.